After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome into the Deuce and Mo podcast. Deuce Mason, Morgan Reagan, the dog days of the NBA offseason, but we're not going to be the podcast that just drops content on you like here are the three third string point guard options the Kings should look at. What? We're not my whole point we is should. <laughs> that stuff can wait till September. Okay. We're not gonna force feed you content during this time. Uh. Our plan is to drop new podcast weekly and if there's breaking news we'll do more and of course we're dropping mm-hmm. content on our youtube page but we're gonna have some fun conversations today the athletics anthony slater but we're really excited too about next week we're dropping a conversation with someone we've never had the podcast before he's from the ringer kevin o'connor koc super excited to have him on the pod and we're working on some other big things we'll be dropping them each and every single week and make sure you're locked into our youtube page youtube.com slash at deuce and mo in the meantime enjoy this chat with anthony slater super excited to have one of our favorites on the podcast he covers the nba for the athletic he's the one and only anthony slater who is probably so close to just unplugging, relaxing for, I don't know, like three to four weeks? Can you unplug that long? You could maybe do a little bit more. I actually believe I heard that media day is not until like October 2nd this year, which Ooh. feels late. Wait, Slater's already dropping breaking news <laughs> on our podcast? I did not know that at all. I started preparing like all of my schedule like, okay, last week of September, that's when everything goes down. But they're pushing it to first week of October. I'm with it. Yes. I believe I heard it, you know, that Monday. They always do it on that Monday, which isn't, I mean, if you really think about it, sometimes it's like September 29th. So we're only talking about. Okay. But it feels different. When you say October, (laughs) it feels different. It's a mental thing. I agree with you. Uh, Well, you and Sam Amick. Now I I do feel like you almost get the full month of September. So I think maybe a little bit more than four weeks. I might might go a little bit dark for a while. You should. We all need to kind of recharge, get ready to go because... The NBA season's a grind, and you are producing content like nonstop. You and Sam Amick had a piece that came out last week where you guys sat down with Monty McNair. And honestly, probably the most open I felt like Monty has been in an interview, really in his time in Sacramento. I know the setting's different. He's not at a press conference, but usually he's pretty buttoned up. You know, he kind of just plays it safe. It felt like he opened up with you guys. Did, did you get that same sense? Yeah, yeah. Um, I've, me and Sam 
talked after the interview and we were both were like, wow, you know, that was, that was pretty good. That was like, you know, more revealing than expected. And honestly, even more so because he kind of has a, you know, a duller tone at times, you might say, um, going back and re, you know, as we're putting together the story and like putting the quotes down in, uh, you know, on the computer and writing, it was like, oh, these are even more revealing than, you know, I felt like they read more revealing than maybe within the conversation they might've sounded. So uh, I'd agree with you. I think some of it is uh, stability in his new job, right? I mean, just mm-hmm. signing an extension, just one executive of the year and also just time of the year. Uh, he, he basically just completed putting together this roster. I think there's confidence in what they've done. And I also think there was a little bit of wanting to the public to understand, you know, why they did what they did. Um, so, yeah, it was, yeah, I mean, you guys probably follow every single. Is there a Monty McNair, you know, quote or soundbite you haven't heard? So, so you yeah. know probably better than oh, me. I could a hundred percent if they needed me to play Monty McNair at a press conference, I could play him. Like, I, I would, I would crush the role because you'd it, wear a vest. Yeah, was he wearing a vest when you met with him? It was a phone call, a three-way phone mm, call. Okay. By the way, that that I was proud of myself. I was like the the middleman of the technology you know have you guys ever done the merge of the call yeah oh that was yeah, you i was like okay that's pretty good i hadn't done that slater well i mean you should be In the charge. guy i mean sam oh yeah sam, sam's the old one yeah. of your guys this group yeah you're you're, you're still you're, you're probably like gen z right we're, we're, me and you gen z no 90 i'm a 90s baby okay oh my god almost um slater okay what out of everything that you guys talked about in your conversation, what jumped out the most to you personally? I think it was actually what we closed the uh, story talking about, which was, uh, let me, I got getting a call declining that uh, in this off season. Nice. Don't call me. <laughs> uh, but no, I would say what we closed the article with, which was him uh, kind of discussing that, like, you know, we still, you know, him talking about the Kings, like we still got a lot of ammo in the, in the chamber in, in a league that, you know, and particularly a conference that there are rival teams out there. The Suns are the most obvious one that have just spent all that they can spend. They don't have picks. They don't have, uh, you know, they got the second apron stuff coming in and it's just a lot of teams are in some ways locked out of, of improving in the long term. And hit, the point he made is like, yes, we are painting it right now as the stability we're, we're, we're standing pat. We don't feel like we need to do anything, but that doesn't mean we can't do anything moving forward. And it was like, I don't know, maybe I just hadn't thought about it yet, but it was the trigger of like, Oh, they could be one of the more aggressive teams this upcoming season, either because they feel they're disappointing. Maybe a few months in or let's say 22 and 22 through 44 games, something like that. Or just, you know, they, they're, Still a two, three, four seed, but they just feel like the path is there for real contention. But he mentioned all the picks, first round picks they have besides the one, the lottery protected one they sent out for Herder, um, all their seconds. But I think the big thing, you know, he noted it and I thought about it and he's right. A lot of tradable contracts, you know, they don't really have many bad contracts on the books. You can pile youth and picks and uh, you, you can stack up to the exact dollar amount you want because it's a lot of like mid-tier contracts too. I know there are some teams that have the problem where they have the max guys and the minimums, basically. There's a lot more flexibility and you have a GM clearly who's willing to pull a trigger if it's there. Yeah, and it seems like he has a lot of patience as a GM, which is it's tough because you see all the competitors around you making crazy moves. You you mentioned Phoenix, but it was pretty active. And the Kings at draft nine, when they traded Rashawn Holmes to Dallas, cleared up some more cap space. And I think a lot of people felt like, 
oh, this is going to be a scenario where they land a, a Kyle Kuzma or they land some right. sort of major fish and add to the team and see what they could do. But I, I, I'm sure that was a possibility. But I also think he wasn't going to overpay and he wasn't going to put them in a situation where, all right, yeah, we 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 add Kuzma. He's making a lot of money, and yeah, we win the headline with the fan base, but it's not going to take us to the heights we want to get. It's just interesting to see how patient he is. Yeah, uh, with the Kuzma one in particular, like clearly Kyle Kuzma was looking to be like a 1A, 1B yeah. type guy on a team, right? I mean, look where he went back to. He had a, many options. He's going to shoot 20 times a game with Jordan Poole on a 22-win Wizards team, which they'll actually be kind of fun, but he wants to score. I just don't think he wants to be Harrison Barnes, essentially, right? That's the role he would slide into for the Kings, and Probably, I don't know what, how you guys feel about him. I'd say if he was willing to accept that role, would have probably been an upgrade. But are yeah. you going to pay for it? How you would have needed to pay for it? And would he accept it? So I, I think when that was off the table, you know, I I think people too much viewed because we're at the at draft time, we're always trying to read like signals like, oh, this person opted in or opted out. What does that mean on the big thing? When they traded Rashawn Holmes on draft night, it was like, it felt like a blinking light to so many people across the league. Like they're going home run hitting, you know, it's Draymond green is coming to Sacramento. And it was like beyond just the fact that they wanted to clear the cap space. I just think they didn't love anybody at 24 too much. And just getting that Rashawn Holmes contract was like, that's valuable to get off because I mean, even I can remember last year as you're watching this team contend, you're like, man, they still, they got this backup center that's playing zero minutes a night, making, you know, 12 million, not just this season, the next two beyond this. So I think there was just a lot of value for them getting off that, you know, they've mentioned maybe it'll help them resign Malik Monk next year, but just, just room room sometimes is helpful beyond just, Oh, you know, Draymond green is coming next week. That's in. And that's it. That's exactly. I think there's so many people always looking for the big, exciting, dramatic moves when a contract like Rashawn Holmes was traded away. And sometimes it's just, it's not going to be about that. And I think uh, running it back is not sexy to people, but at the same time, if you believe in people taking leaps, for example, Keegan Murray, I feel like the the confidence in what Keegan Murray is and what he can be is there with this squad. I mean, you obviously saw a lot of Keegan Murray last year. What are you, are you feeling pretty high on, on, on his future? Uh, not only in the NBA, but with the Kings and what he can do in his role. Well, we know at this point you can like firmly say he is a six foot eight, like catch and shoot, like elite catch and shoot guy. What I think he 192 of his 206 threes were, 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 off the catch and shoot and not just like hey i'm standing there waiting on the wing but some pin down stuff so some off the uh you know screen stuff he's already that and in this offense that's like an elite fourth weapon um the bigger question moving forward is as you guys know better than than anybody uh is can he become more off the dribble give it to him late in the clock let him run a pick and roll play make for others they're trying to get that more out of him they obviously just you know, gave him the ball twice in Golden One Center in Summer League and wanted him to be the star. And, he, you know, he passed those tests. Those are tests that um, are, I mean, they don't necessarily prove to me that he's going to do that in game 20 of the next regular season, but it's a good sign. Uh, but what is he going to be in the offense next year? He's still going to be behind Fox, behind Sabonis. Um, 
I do think his offensive upside, though, is, what, 22 to 25 points per game on pretty good efficiency. Okay. That's a big thing that he'll do that a lot of scores, 20 point per scores uh, across the league, maybe aren't as efficient. He just he is an efficient player um, where my questions remain with him when you I mean, you guys have heard like the Kawhi stuff. They're kind of starting to float out, right? Like, oh, like Kawhi yeah. leap. And I'm like, I can see it offensively. Kawhi Leonard was defensive player of the year, like yeah. one of the like most disruptive wing defenders I've ever seen. Um, I'm still questioning what Keegan can he be average long term defensively, a little above that average. That to me is a big question as far as playoff ceiling for this team. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, I, I think with Keegan, you you watch him sometimes, and it's a rookie, right? They're going to make defensive mistakes. Sometimes it just looks like he, he doesn't always have that lateral quickness to to move with some of the more athletic guys in the league. He's got good size, though. He's got high basketball IQ. I'm like, he could be a solid team defender, I think. But, yeah, that that's the question. Is like, can he take a leap to be well, a solid defensive player? Because that would obviously elevate this team to a, a different different level. But you, I mean, and Slater, you saw a lot in Golden State. But even with Mike Brown, you know what what type of of players he develops in his defensive system, right? And obviously, he was dealing with some great defenders in Golden State. But I think you're also seeing he can make players better on that end of the floor just putting them in a a team defense that can work for them and and maybe even cover some of their flaws too yeah i think there is internal belief especially after what they saw in the playoffs right they defended the Warriors pretty well in that series yeah and the physicality and the just like scouting report focus that they had in that series i think and i actually like mike is going to go into camp next year so i'm like now you've proven it right like now you've shown me you can defend it at least an average nba level like do that in the regular season do not what did they finish last year rating wise like 24 24th yeah yeah like i think they're going to go in saying like 15 like just be 15 denver was 15 in the regular season right like that's a good if you're trying to sell hey we want to win a championship denver was at 15 get there and with our offense i mean that is a huge, the 24 to 15 is a monster. Yeah, jump. it is. Um, and it is what you're talking about. Like if Mike Brown believes you're going to try, you're going to focus on the scouting report. You're smart enough. You're going to, you know, follow our principles as he would, you know, like the, you know, don't give up middle, that type of stuff. Then he could have an average defense. And that includes Keegan Murray, who I think, as you mentioned, has the size and smarts and, and willingness uh, to do it. But if you want to be an elite defense, and I, they're not really building their team ever believing this is going to morph into some, like, you know, defensive juggernaut. We all know that. I mean, even this summer, Vizenkov, that's an offense-first guy, all that. So, um, but, yeah, you to have that, you would need the tools that it, Andre Iguodala has, that Draymond Green has. They, don't, they just don't have that, personnel-wise. Mike would be the first to admit that. But, but like you said, Denver was a 15th-ranked defense. Nikola Jokic is... Not you know he doesn't have all these incredible defensive tools, but they figured it out, and then you just got to outscore teams. And they're they are leaning into the offense more. I mean, I just and it's interesting because their offense was obviously really good. We saw what happened in the playoffs where it the Warriors did a great job. You know, Herder looked like he was just gas dealing with chasing around Clay or Steph, and he couldn't get a shot to drop. Harrison couldn't, but the, the, I think Monty believes like, hey. Yeah, we need our defense to be better, but you can always need you always need more shooting. And I think Sasha can come in right away and show his shooting ability. You know Cutting what Keegan's do? Yeah, moving Cutting. off the ball. He 
I mean, there was that one stat, I can't remember off the top of my head, where, I mean, he doesn't need any dribbles whatsoever to score. Yeah. The guy should be perfect for this offense. So they're they're leaning even more so into, hey, we can just have a beyond dynamic offense with Fox Sabonis and even more shooting around them. Yeah, and what, I don't think we've put it in the story. I don't remember us putting it in, but one of the things Monty said during our conversation, he admitted that what the Warriors did in that series, he does kind of expect teams to replicate in the regular season not with not near the complexity or you know even the personnel that the Warriors had but you know the focus of a playoff defense but still there's going to be nights where you know Tom Thibodeau goes hey like sag off the bonus completely remember what the Warriors did in the in that playoff series that's our game plan for tonight and he seemed excited in a way that they're going to face a lot of those exotic looks early in the season because that preps you more for the playoffs I think Sabonis needs it I think Sabonis was a little bit like spooked by i don't know what if that's the right term but like it he it threw him off guard because i think there was just like a belief in his mind like we've just been a juggernaut all season nothing can stop us and it was like oh this is different the playoffs are different i mean it's something i remember being on the podcast with with y'all in the past and being like you know we would we would talk about how playoff basketball game one to game two to game yeah. three is like those it's just it is kind of a different level and there's a reason why experienced teams typically succeed in the long term and series because they know what's coming and 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 now you consider you can you can consider the kings a little bit more experienced it is gonna i think impact some like i said some of the way teams opponents play them in the regular season but um i think they're equipped for that and i also think you know a vazenkov is is um you know an antidote to that and one of the things we were talking about keegan murray earlier i think they were very encouraged by the way his series went you know, where, yes, a barn sunk into the background. Yes, I do think Kevin Herter, maybe in a playoff setting, his shot maybe isn't as transferable if it's just like that type of atmosphere. Although he had a pretty good playoffs a few few years ago. Yeah. But um, Keegan Murray did, right? He looked offensively ready for that stage, ready for that speed. Um, and that's a great sign. We've got more with Anthony Slater in just a second. But we should tell you that today's podcast presented by the one and only Joey Reagan over at Lion Real Estate. If you're looking for a house in the Sacramento area or you're looking to sell, hit up our guy, Joey Reagan, over at Lion Real Estate because he knows Sacramento better than anybody. And he can find you the home of your dreams. Super easy to work with. Go to his website, jreagan.golion.com. That's jreagan.golion.com. You can also call or text him at 916-412-4592. That's 916-412-4592. License number 0212-8070. We're also presented today by New York Times bestselling author, the one and only T.R. Reagan. Ah, the best for some summer reads. You can go to Amazon.com or TRReagan.com and make sure you're filling in the rest of your summer with some T.R. Reagan books. I know so many of our listeners have uh, read her thrillers, and not only are they freaked out, but they're very entertained. So if you want to have all those same feelings, make sure you go check out her books. We mentioned buying a house, but... What happens if you don't know if you can afford one? Mm. What do you do? You got to hit up our buddy, Sean Stanfield, over at rate.com slash Sean Stanfield. Him and his team at Guaranteed Rate will give you all the information you need to make the right move. He's not just trying to get you in a house. I want to buy a house. He's not going to be like, all right, let me doctor this and make sure you get in. We'll do anything to get you in. Then you're screwed. No, he's going to be honest with you. He's going to run the numbers. He's going to show you the numbers over a video and going to tell you if it makes sense for you to purchase a home right now. 
So what you need to do is hit up our buddy Sean Stanfield at rate.com slash Sean Stanfield. You can also call or text him at 916-276-7563. I've known him for over a decade. He's helped many of our podcast listeners, and he can help you. Give him a call at 916-276-7563. He's a big Kings fan as well. That's equal housing lender subject to credit approval. NMLS ID number 349707. Company NMLS ID number 2611. NMLSconsumeraccess.org. Thanks so much to our friends at... Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $129 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $249 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. So 48 wins, third in the West, and we're talking about that playoff experience that they just had. Is there is there a world that next year that this squad could be the team that can come out of the West? Or is that just like, are we getting, are we getting too cute with that? And then again, last year... I didn't even think this team was going to make the playoffs when the season started. Hater. I yeah, know. Hater. <laughs> Not Did a you, you play in? Were you like, like play in? That was, that was the goal last year was play in. That's so beginning of last year. I said this, this is, and this is just what I went by from my basketball knowledge. I'm like, <laughs> Hey, when you add a brand new head coach, it takes a little bit longer to execute the system. And, um, you know, and really build a culture, how the hell Mike Brown did it within training camp in two weeks and then just kept improving as the season kept going along and it was never a fluke. I, I just have no idea. That's what makes him so great as a coach. Uh, his coaching staff is so great. So it truly wasn't like I just didn't believe. I was just being realistic about what happens in the NBA. Yeah, I mean, I think if anyone was coming out saying, oh, I think they're going to win 45 to 48 games, that was just... They were a homer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I was like, I think they could be a little above 500. Yeah, you did. But, I, I mean, I didn't anticipate it being the number one offense in the NBA. Yeah, that's that, that's where the chemistry, it just it looked like a team that had played together right. before, which is pretty impressive with how quickly they were able to kind of come together. So is there a world where this team comes out of the West then? Yeah. Um well at first out let's talk regular season then we'll talk playoffs. Oh so okay. It's, it's very different. But I think what happened last year is also happening this summer where I just think there's too much of this idea, like the West. Oh, what a gauntlet! Oh, it's so packed. Like you know, Thank how you. you know how do you deal with it? I just think it's a bunch of very average teams, and you know that. Like, let's give the Nuggets credit. Like that is your favorite entering the season. If I had to pick now, I take the Nuggets. Like they proved it. They are the clear one in a tier by themselves. Beyond that, Grizzlies were the two seed last year. I mean, I'm not that threatened by them, especially dealing with the Jaws situation. They lost some pieces. Um, Kings at the three. But, you know, below that, I do. Th- I like what Phoenix did around their new guys, but that's going to be an odd experiment with injury-prone stars. Um, Lakers, sure. I mean, they, they were encouraging, but they're very flawed. They're old. They, you know, they're, they're two main guys. Are, uh, you know, you don't know about their health. So I just... 
I do think the Kings, if they have the same type of health that they had, which they at least have players that have more proven track records of being available, and they certainly have a, a, a culture and an environment and a you know younger core that really you would think would attack the regular season similarly, like just with the veracity that they did. So I think if they stay healthy, they're going to win a lot of games. And you mentioned it, 48 wins is the third seed. That's the thing last year that's like 48 didn't seem absolutely outrageous for the Kings. Three seeds seem yes. outrageous. But it's like, well, 48 was the three, and maybe it'll be the three again because I do think it's just going to be a bunch of flawed teams beating each other on most nights. Mm. And if you're just a peg above that, if you're just a peg healthier than that, which the Kings have been, if you take the regular season as serious as Fox did, as Mike Brown did, as Sabonis did, right, playing with the thumb, then, you know, you could probably outstretch a team by five, you know, the rest of the conference by about five games. So I'd consider them in that upper crest. Now, playoffs, do I think they're a true contender? I really need to see the Keegan Murray leap, and maybe it'll happen, um, number one. And then two... I probably would have said no a couple of weeks ago, but again, Monty McNair kind of clued me into like a hey, trade deadline. Like you, you may add another like really nice two way wing or something onto this team because he uses a first rounder and, you know, Kevin Herter's contract suddenly becomes, uh, you know, OG Ananobi or something like that. Um, so yeah. Like, is there a world where they could come out of the West? Yes. Because I don't like the West that much. And I do think they're positioned well. I agree with that. And that was something I was going to go to with you on the podcast is going up and down the West. Like, who do you trust? And you kind of nailed it. It's all these teams have flaws. Uh-huh. And Denver, they, you know, losing Bruce Brown. Okay, that hurts. But they bring back their, their top four guys are still there. And, they, you know, that you, you figure that they're going to have someone to kind of fill that void. And they'll be fine. They're going to be really good in the West. Yeah, I look at the rest of the West and I go, yeah, I, you can make a case for the Lakers being really good next year. I like some of the moves they made, but... It hinges on LeBron AD. The Suns, okay, we'll see. I mean, on paper, you could see it maybe working, but there's still a lot of question marks with that. They better be good soon because the rest of their decade is going to be yeah. going to get ugly well, quick. And I, I also think when you put those teams together, I mean, that's a dramatic changeover with that squad, right? Yeah. That takes coaching, it, everything. It takes time. Everything. Yeah, new coach, new. That can take time to build. And if you have guys that are missing games or load managing, that, again, building chemistry takes just playing together are they going to play together enough so i i actually really like where the kings are at and i i know there's this notion that they're running it back and i i I think sometimes that's viewed as like a negative thing one i don't think it's a negative thing with this group right two they're not running it back sasha is an upgrade right like sasha to me with how much pro ball experience he has Euroleague MVP his shooting off ball cutting his size his IQ that's a huge upgrade whether he's coming off the bench I don't think he's going to start but maybe he does that's a massive upgrade for the Kings but you're also banking on individuals taking a leap in their game whether it's Keegan and it's like I mean we saw it with our own eyes even in the two games of summer league if you want to go there um but as we talk about all these teams in the West, the one I have to ask Slater about is the Golden State Warriors because you didn't mention them in any of this, and we haven't really been talking about this. Um, with the addition of Chris Paul, is there? Do you have any belief in what this squad can be in the Western Conference, or does it just not even do anything for you? I think they're going to be hungry, much hungrier than last year. Motivated, it is obvious. Like they are. They finally really pushed the uh, 
eject button on the two timelines, whatever you want to call it, but also just like they're all in now. So I just think that's going to create a sense of urgency for them to, you know, go after a final title. And I, where I think that that the Chris Paul trade is going to impact them in a negative way is the regular season. Um, He's going to not Jordan Poole played 82 games last year, all 82. If you look at how many games he started uh, or when he started, he averaged like 25 a game and like 40 something starts. He won them games. I can remember a game in Cleveland. Everybody, you know, Steph sitting, Clay sitting, Draymond sitting. They 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 beat the Cavaliers because him and Ty Jerome went off. And uh, there was a game in Detroit uh, that that they did that. So they just, I just think age wise, it's weird because I I I think they're gonna have a better regular season in the sense that they're just gonna take it more serious. They're not gonna go three and seven out of the gate. They're not gonna win only ten road games. You'd think. I mean, there was so much going into the disaster that was last year. So I think they're going to have a better mindset for the regular season. But I also am like, they're just older and older and older and going to miss more games and going to be more vulnerable in certain situations. So uh, I don't know. To me, they're middle of the pack. I think the big thing for them is to just avoid the play-in, number one, and have everybody there and healthy come playoff time. And you guys saw it last year. They had a disaster regular season. They blimped into the third seed. Andrew Wiggins was on a two-month, you know, basically mystery disappearance. He showed up. His first game in two months was game one against the Kings. <laughs> and they weren't even very that great in that series as far as, like, chemistry-wise, they were a disaster. Poole was in the middle of his spiral. Straymon gets the stomp ejection and suspension. And Steph Curry drags him across the finish line. So, I mean, yeah, they, they are, in my opinion, the same threat they were last year. And as much as that season is looked back on very negatively. They still beat a very good Kings team in a very tough environment in the first round and went to six with the Lakers. And if Alani Walker doesn't go off in a game four, like, you know, they could have puttered ahead in that series. They probably would have got creamed by the nuggets, but you're still talking about one of the final eight teams. That was almost one of the final four teams. They're bringing most people back. Chris Paul, if, if Chris Paul's healthy and that'll be on Rick Celebrini, we'll see. Sure. They're a threat. Part of why I say they're a threat, the part of why I say the Kings are a contender, because I don't like the rest of the West. Do you think if you gave Chris Paul some true serum <laughs> and you asked him, hey, are you happy to be with the Golden State Warriors? Would he say yes? I think he's happier than being with the Washington Wizards. Okay. Um, I think, I mean, it seemed to be that he was hoping to work a buyout and get to one of the LA teams, but there was a lot of Clippers buzz, right? Starting point guard for the Clippers would make a lot of sense. You put him with you know, Kawhi, Paul George, he's back where he used to be. Like, I think that probably would have been his ideal number one scenario. But in some ways, like, the Warriors showed a lot of respect for him by, instead of, like, waiting for the buyout, I mean, they traded for him. They they kind of, yeah. they're, they're, they're believing in him long-term. And um, it's, he's at a point of his career where I think as long as he has a an outside shot to win a title, a realistic shot to win a title on whatever team he's on, he should be, relatively pleased with that it's going to be a weird fit he has not they have not been friendly you know draymond green steve kerr him i mean there's definitely a deep history there um but i think he's okay with it uh we'll see if he's okay with it come training camp is he in the starting lineup first month second month i I don't know how it'll go but he didn't have many choices he got he was on the wizards when they traded for him dude he did not it just even going back to summer league (laughs) His press con or his that, media scrum? The media oh, it was, scrum? Uh, it was a very enjoyable. Oh, oh, so did I from afar. I was just like, wow, this guy 
does not seem happy. He does not seem like he wants to be here. And I also thought it was interesting that they weren't doing some big, um, like, podium, you know, press yeah. conference. Oh, welcome, CP3. And I just feel like that alone says a lot about where he is and where they are with him being with that organization. Yeah, you know, everyone saw the like oh you're coaching uh bristle at a at a question but he he bristled at about six or seven questions of like you know you know but and then i talked to people afterwards who'd covered him it's like it's just kind of how he is particularly if you try to talk basketball strategy with him or you know again in that particular situation acting like you know that he's coming off the bench already like he's just you know for for lack of a better term he's kind of a prick yeah like it, he wanted to in, say like, dick. Yeah, he, openly. he wanted to say dick. He's a dick. For, yeah, like, yeah. we can all say it. <laughs> oh, you, you all can say it. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're not going to be covering him this year. Yeah, he's a dick. Okay. <laughs> but in a lot of ways, like, proudly one. And, like, and, and some of those qualities just, like, help you win basketball games. It's a little bit like Draymond, who he'll probably butt heads with. But um, I didn't, especially talking to people after who, who really know him well, they didn't read it as like, oh, I'm super unhappy to be with the Warriors. That's why I'm actually the mm. way. It was more like, mm, that's just Chris Paul. Like he's wow. gonna like get ready every press conference. He's gonna kind of like, you know, scoff at a few questions here and there, and just Ugh. smartest guy in the room. And you know, when you talk to him about like, yeah, you know, your style in the Warriors isn't, you know, it isn't that compatible. Like it ain't brain surgery. It's basketball. I think I know something about basketball. And I'm like, all right, you know, you know, honestly, I, I like it. I was gonna I, say reporter, I like it because let, let's be honest. Anthony, you do your homework, and there's a lot of great reporters. But some of these, let's be some of the people who cover the league deserve—they don't, don't really know basketball. <laughs> they're stirring the pot. They're—they're they're saying you're not a good fit. They don't even know what that means. Chris Paul's going, "I'm one of the best point guards to ever play the game. I know the game. I think I can figure it out. I think that's kind of his point." Yeah, which is fair. And and again, as I was saying towards the end of that, like. I'm I, I ain't here rooting for the Warriors. I'm yeah. here to cover what I want to be a fun locker room with interesting storylines because every year I cover them, they are enjoyable for you know 75 different you know storyline reasons, and and they don't seem like next year is going to be boring. So I'm, I'm in for it. You know, a Kings Warriors rematch in the playoffs would be fun. Yeah, no. are, real fast, more. Are you what? to the point where you're like, oh, the Kings are going to be a playoff team next year, or are you still that cautious? Oh no, I'm definitely to the point that the Kings are going to okay. be a playoff team. But that's also because of like what Slater has been saying this entire podcast, yeah. like the West. That's cute. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not going to be easy. I, I still don't think the Kings are good enough to not be as healthy as they were, and they're not good enough to not. I think they actually have more depth than a lot of teams. I like their depth. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair i mean especially like the suns are half their rotation is going to be minimum guys they signed in july so right um you know and there's a lot of top heavy teams like that it's interesting you know you mentioned like you're hoping you're getting a warriors kings rematch just for the entertainment purposes you guys have something new coming up in in mid-august it's a schedule release that you you know might be some marquee games you know there might be some national tv games maybe you do get an how about an opening night northern california showdown Ooh. i doubt that's the christmas game Ooh. but it's not off the table yeah Ooh. i don't think from what i hear it's not the christmas game i know i i, I was really pushing that storyline i actually think it's a great storyline one what was the best playoff series of the entire playoffs last year was it kings warriors or it was kings what it's not even close i there was not a better Sixers Celtics was pretty good, but I'm like I don't yeah. know East basketball just doesn't fire me up. But that's but I yeah. understand I'm biased. I cover the West. Sure, 
But in terms of just like pretty entertaining games, storylines, this up and coming team against a team that's been like, I thought it was super compelling. And I, the ratings prove that too. I think the league just overthinks some of this. They'll probably go like Lakers, Warriors yeah. on Christmas. Oh, cool. Well, we we haven't seen that. Grizzlies last year. Oh, uh, yeah. Which, you know, that was always the rivalry. It, it, that's a good opening night game, though. Kings, Warriors in Golden One, I feel like would be a good opening night game. I like where your head's yeah, at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then the Kings lose, and then the Kings fans are freaked out. Oh, they're like, after one game. Are we going to have to fire Mike Brown? Oh, that's because they didn't make enough moves. What about Monty <laughs> didn't do his job? Oh, I cannot yeah. wait Could you imagine for expectations. Opening night, Looney with like 17 rebounds. Oh, no. It's just a. It's a repeat. Oh, Another no. rebound kick out as the crowd grows. Oh, that was really. Uh, yeah. So you're going to have that. You're also just like, forget just the marquee games. How many national TV games do you think they're getting? You know, just those random Thursday yeah. night nuggets turn town that's on TNT. Suddenly. You know, I at first, I'm, oh, they'll get like a decent. To me, I think it's still going to be lower than fans. You don't license. consider an NBA no. TV game. No. Na- okay. TNT. Yeah. I agree with, I agree with okay. that. Okay. Yeah. It, to me, it's TNT, ESPN, ABC. You think like four? Oh, no. I think it's be more than that. Oh. I, th- I think they'll get, I don't know, eight to ten. Okay. Is that crazy? I would take the over, actually. Um, slight over, but over. They just they play a fun brand. I think the league sees them as a team to um, not only promote but you throw them in the right matchup it becomes a fun matchup obviously the warriors one we're talking about but you know like i don't know king celtics in they and the other thing the league knows if you if you have a sacramento tnt late game on a thursday like it's gonna be a great crowd yeah and it, it's good to just i mean they did it a couple times last year remember how good that crowd oh. was um so it just makes me think that the, they'll get them they'll get them in probably a little bit more than you're thinking maybe i'm wrong one last one for you. I was just thinking about this. I wanted to follow up about Keegan Murray. I feel like they are, they're definitely super high on him long term. Do you think there's too much pressure being put maybe on him to take a leap in year two? Or do you think that's more we're just looking too much into that? Because I, f- I feel like they're super high on him. Yeah, they are. And they're not like hiding it very well, which is you know, it's, good. <laughs> it's good for content, right? Yeah. But, you know, when they are mentioned this idea of like he went off at a scrimmage and scouts were saying like Kawhi year three leap and uh, Monty saying what he's saying like but part of it is like I think it's kind of how they treat him they like to put pressure on him Mm -hmm. they are trying like I think they're of the belief he has it in his skill set he just has to like believe himself like no I'm a star in the league I'm Mm -hmm. a star in the making I'm not just a space shooter fourth option you know, Andrew Wiggins style, like clock in, clock out. Don't talk to media. Like, I think they're going to maybe even try to push him in front of the microphone a little bit more. Um, and do I believe in it? You know, I, I, I do wonder how much opportunity he's going to get. The games I want to see are, you know, like what if Fox missed like eight games last year, maybe? Yeah, I mean, something like that. There's going to be those you know three game stretches where especially the way fox is built like he, oh, he's banged his hip up he's gonna he's gonna miss like the first three games of this road trip like those are the games where i want to see if the leap is there like keegan murray here's the ball tonight um you know you're running some pick and rolls with sabonis you're taking the most shots on the team tonight um that is where i think you'll know if like, is he forcing his way into a bigger piece of the pie? Because it's not necessarily an offense that 
they're just going to hand more touches and more usage to a young guy because ah, this is just the natural progression year two. We want to do this. Like, no, Harrison Barnes wants his shots. Kevin Herter, especially regular season Kevin Herter, he needs his touches. Like, Fox is going to shoot a bunch. Sabonis, Malik Monk's not coming in. Like, oh, it's this is Keegan's time. <laughs> no, Malik Monk's like, this is Malik Monk's time. Contract year mm. Malik Monk, by the way. That's going to be something. Uh, so I think the way he takes the leap is if it's like just becoming on the nights that Fox or Sabonis misses at his head, but also it's just by month two, like, no, like, sorry, he's like, sorry, Harrison Barnes, sorry, Herder. Like, he's the guy that is just going to yeah. take a bulk of the shots from you in a lot of ways. Well, kind of goes back to, you know, Kuzma wanting to be like the one or two on a team. There's a lot of mouths to feed in Sacramento, you know, and so you have to have you have to have the right guys that are going to buy in. Right? You do. But the other great part, too, is that Mike Brown, everyone's going to have. I, I, not everyone most people on this squad are going to have the short leashes like you still got to make sure you're doing what i'm telling you to do in this system as a team right like you're gonna have freedom and get yours if you are this guy this guy or this guy but i feel like when it comes to some of the other guys if you're just chucking up some shit yeah he's not gonna let that fly there's enough depth to this team now where it's next man up yeah, that is where the depth matters. That's what's interesting about that playoff series, though, because you guys remember the progression of it where Keegan was bad the first, what, three games? I believe game four was his, like, bust-out game. So, But through three games, it was like, should they make a starting lineup change? Yeah. Should Davion Mitchell enter to guard Steph? Like, you know, who's getting a bench? Like, are, are Keegan Murray's minutes about to go from, like, 25-33 to down to, like, 12-15? It was like there was even some awkwardness in like game two. It was like, oof, like his minutes are not going well. And if I if you had to map out the rest of the series, I would have guessed he was about to be minimized by Mike Brown. And then by like game six, he, he barely came off the floor. He yeah. played like 45 minutes. Yeah. And not not only was he scoring well, but it was the defensive trust and just like, no, we need him to like glue together all these lineups. And wow, guess what else is what what did Harrison Barnes play the last three games of that series? Dude, like not a lot. And... Yeah, he and Davion didn't play a lot at all down the stretch. Herder was getting minimized. So that, you know, maybe that's a little matchup dependent, but to me, that's also a head coach. In my opinion, coaches show you what they really think about players and like the really like the the playoff fire. And that to me showed like, oh, he really actually does believe in Keegan Murray long term. Yeah. Well, in that series too. It wasn't pulling guys for missed defensive assignments. Mm -hmm. Guys, those guys weren't making shots. Right. You get play if you can't make shots in the NBA, mm -hmm. you can't play. You we can talk so much about this guy's defensive ability. Jared Vanderbilt, I bring him up all the time because Kings fans love him and wanted him. I'm like, okay, but in the playoffs, he was playing like 10 minutes a night. Became but a liability on the offense. Davion though. Mitchell, he has to be able to consistently knock down a shot. Otherwise, he's not playing in the playoffs. You, you have to be able to knock down shots because otherwise, if the other team's not guarding you, then good luck. Deuce is all in on this season, Slater being um, just pure offense <laughs> and shit defense, oh, and that's no, how the Kings are going to no, win it all. No, no, I just, I think the Kings, <laughs> I think they added shooting with Sasha. Yeah. I, even picking up Duarte, I kind of like taking a flyer on him. I think their basketball IQ is higher. I think their chemistry is going to be even better. They add shooting. I just think they're going to be a better team. I think they're going to look really good. And I even think defensively, just another year together, yeah. I think should look better. I do wonder, though, if I was to like to be the pessimist on this season. Go ahead. Like last year, it was that 
everything was so uh, rosy. Yeah. And it was like, beyond, I know they had that four game losing streak to start the year, but like, it was just like the fact of where they were seating wise and when they won games. And it was just, there was an expectation where there will be this year, where, yeah. you know, let's like, if they are six and five through 11 games last year, that would have been like six and five key. Like yeah. what's going on in Sacramento this year, you know, you guys will be coming on the podcast after like a, a bad <laughs> close win over the Pistons that made them seven and six. And you're going to be like, I just, like, I'm not liking how, you know, yeah. this, this is coming together. And it's just, and I, I say it a little jokingly, but like that, you know, there'll be much more angst about, um, you know, a, a four game rough patch. And, you know, if it is an all offense, only defense type, you, you know, those Mike Brown press conferences where you're like, I thought you'd be a little bit happier, but he's really mad about and they gave up yeah. 20 offensive rebounds. There'll be more of those. Like he's, I know he's going to, you know, kind of throw the hammer down on um, the little detail playoff type stuff that he wants to see in the regular season. And, um, I also just, you know, local coverage matters, I think, in a lot of ways, and just local vibes, fan vibes matter. Last year was just the perfect storm oh, it was. for just that, like, everybody loves everybody. I've never seen a more, like, the approval rating of everyone in the organization. Like, was there, I don't think I saw one, like, comment last year that was like, I don't know about Mike Brown, you know? So, yeah. It's, where this year might, you know, maybe he's like, I don't like this rotations. Why is Duarte playing over yep. Keegan tonight? Or, you know, whatever. Like, we shouldn't even light the beam with that win. <laughs> yes. Like well, that. Yeah. There's a little bit of the honeymoon phase that oh. is going to now be over. Yeah. There's nothing like the come up, Anthony. It's the, yeah. we didn't make the playoffs in 16 years. Then the team that cracks it doesn't just limp in. They are the third seed. They have this purple beam. They shoot up in the air. Everyone's likable. Oh, it's amazing. But you're right. Expectations come, and it's you. People are going to get pissed even mm -hmm. after wins. The the beam is going to be a topic. It's the rotations. It's like, ah, oh, Sabonis, man. He's just not taking that shot. If he's not taking it, what's going to happen? We we yeah. Or you know, he's playing good for four games, but then uh, some center comes in and gets 18 rebounds, yeah. and they're like, that's that's going to happen. Game one of the playoffs. First yeah. round and out again. Yeah. Well, we, that, that's what makes it fun. It's sports. And, and that's <laughs> and that's the thing. It's like we we understand you know like look at even even every single award at the end of the season was won by the sacramento kings clutch player gm of the year coach of the year all these things it's not going to be that it's just not going to be that way next season it's just they could not. win 48 wins again like mike brown won't win coach of the year again even right. if they had the same exact season so right. that tells you all you need to know hmm. bringing us back to reality it's good and i love it and don't don't confuse my optimism with the team and where they're at with me believing they're a championship team either i mean i i'm more lean toward anthony where it's like i gotta see if he can take a jump they still that wing spot they haven't upgraded yet like that to me is the, the next level i'm in team. a very wait and see like i sit on the fence a lot yeah you do absolutely and i'm like i'm still like sitting on the <laughs> even though i believe in playoffs this year i do i mean which i think we all should it would be a disappointment if they aren't a top six seed yeah I, I, agree. I agree i agree with that too so yep we Dude. have our expectations already slater thanks so much for hanging out with us and uh enjoy the time off man october 2nd you said i believe that's media day you know okay. i should probably check in yeah. a little bit earlier than that but uh yeah. I, from rumor has it that's when when media day is which is the start of training camp as you know and then preseason yeah then they start hitting those games start hitting quick they do Hey, well, we'll catch you around the end of September, start of October, 
And um, until then, enjoy, enjoy your time off. Y'all need to too, but yes, I will be around next year. I'm going to be doing a little bit more Kings, a little bit, so some Thunder, another rising team in the West we didn't mention. They're Whoa. a danger next year. I'm going to do a little of them and, you know, still some Warriors. So. Yeah, OKC is a team that I'm I'm saying today, they will be a good team. Hey, ooh, hot take. No, I just think that I, people are like, oh, they're, they're cute up and coming team. No, like they're going to be good. They, no, I agree. SGA. Oh, Chet in oh. the fold now. Jalen Williams. That's I can't, what's fun. I can't wait to read more Anthony Slater. <laughs> yes, of course. Check him out at The Athletic. He's the one and only Anthony Slater. Deuce and Mo. Deuce and Mo. Deuce and Mo. They tell you what they know. Deuce and Mo. Deuce and Mo. Deuce and Mo. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.